are the barest of margins. Ben Stokes, take a bow. Books. You want some? I'll give it you. It's Sunday morning. The end of lockdown is in sight. It's a beautiful day. I can see Joe Skull jumping up and down in his bed. I'm loving life. Eddie's family's doing the conga in the background. <laughs> and Joe McGuire worming away on the floor. Where's the song coming out? <laughs> I mean, let's play the song. Yep. <laughs> We're coming out of lockdown. This is Diana Ross. I'm coming out.
That was um, Diana Ross, I'm Coming Out. Um, if you could see all of us during that, we were grooving away with some fairly overcast conditions this Sunday morning. Um, uh, yeah, and, it, and I, think, I think I'm beginning to get hopeful these days, gents. It's been a great week of weather. And, um, and I think mm. I'm beginning to feel like, you know, there is some light at the end of the tunnel now. You know, I don't... Like, like, a glimmer. Yeah, not as many people are dying, which is always nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the bright side. <laughs> but also, I think I think I can begin to see some some good, some better times ahead. I mean, what have you been up to this week, Skull? Um, mainly the same old. Not too much work, which has been nice. Uh, I'm sure we'll get we'll get the lowdown from Jim McGuire on that side of things later. Oh, I got a bit bored the other day, so I went for a very long walk. I was walking for about eight and a half hours over the Somerset fields. That's fine, I didn't go within 20 yards of another human, so... <laughs> Older. <laughs> solitary, a solitary animal that is Joseph Scar. <laughs> One lonely as a cloud. McGuire, what have you been up to? Um, well, I've been the reason this, this podcast is a bit late coming out, actually. Um, because the chemistry department at New has been a bit sadistic <laughs> with, the, with the workload they've, um, they've been piling on us, but I'm... I finished my two cheat sheet deadlines yesterday, and now, now I'm looking forward to the rest of the podcast. Yeah, so. much much to be enjoyed ahead. Probably got a slightly shorter show this week. Um, we sort of went a bit over the top last week, I think, as I'm sure many of you would agree. But you know, it's good to have a feature-length episode here and there. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, that's exactly what we meant when we were recording it, and just got carried away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what have I been up to? Um, Couple of walks on the beach as well. Uh, weather's been beautiful down here. I've been swimming every day. It's been like Greece out there. People paddle boarding. It's been incredible. Um, yeah, I'm beginning to feel a bit like I'm on holiday, aren't I? Taking exceptionally large liberties with academic rigor, um, using multiple <laughs> uh, questionable sources to gain information quickly and get it down on paper quickly so I can go and enjoy the weather. Um, but it's all for you listeners. It's also I can get this podcast out, you know. I'm sacrificing my, my academic standards for you. Enjoyment um, of the listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what, the game, the game, not the game. So the, the, we've got a little section of the game. I think our spell. three choices, a spell, yeah. The previous three choices have been very England glory heavy, I think, if you would, if you would agree. I mean, they've all been sort of the end of brilliant England victories. You know, 2005, Edgbaston, um, yeah, Headingley last year and then also Lords last year as well. Um, so I thought this week I'd find a, like a really incredible spell by a, a bowler bowling at England, but that's not actually an England bowler. So we've got uh, a clip from uh, an incredible spell by Alan uh, Donald, a South African quick um, at Trent Bridge in 1998, bowling at Athers, Mike Atherton, who was, I think, the captain of the England side at the time. Um, it's an incredible spell. Uh, in the commentary box today, um, who have we got? Is someone going to try a South African accent? Uh, I can attempt one. Go on, Jeff. Uh, it it yeah, may I'm sound, sure. again, like my Australian and New Zealand accent. It's kind of a one accent fits all, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant. So we've got, we've got some sort of South I'll be, I'll be Sean Pollock, even though he's playing at the time. Yeah, Sean Pollock. Um, I thought, I thought, you know, let's let's not keep it all English. I thought we'd bring in a bit of Irish. So let's imagine that a young Owen Morgan, at the age of probably three years old, is watching this 
<laughs> he knows his stuff though. He's well versed. If any of you could do a Caribbean accent, we could get Tony Cozier in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's maybe that's for the future. Future. I think Skull. Skull. Are you going to go, or are you going to just stick to the old Simon Man? I might actually do Athers. Athers. A bit of Athers. A, a bit, bit of his. Athers, thank God. Bit of his view from the middle. From or the, just oh, from, from the commentary. Yeah, box. You could have a that's a great shout. Right, let's do that. Right, Skull. So Skull. Yeah. Skull is going to be Athers' view from the middle. We could have a Donald as well. Let's have a Donald. Okay, Maguire. You're going to be Donald. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll be and I'll be Owen Morgan so, from the heavens so above. Are we having more? <laughs> from the womb? <laughs> right, that's great. So we'll now join the action uh, in the middle of Alan Donald's spell to Mike Atherton. Enjoy. Oh, it struck him on the pad. It struck him on the back. Oh, of yeah. Alan Donald has hit him hard on the back leg. Alan Donald, looking dangerous that, here. Uh, hurt, to be honest. But I'm, I'm soldier. Very close. Very close. I reckon there might have been a little inside edge there. Let's go down to the middle. We've got Mike Atherton down. I can, I can confirm. I can confirm. Cannoned off the inside edge. Good decision from the umpire. Donald was not happy. Ryan, I feel like here. Groundbreaking TMS <laughs> commentary here. We've got, we've got someone in the middle who's commentating on the game in hand. Should... And in runs Alan Donald again, going round the wicket this time. He bowls. He's in. He bowls. Oh, and it's hit him on the glove. Surely that's out. It's taken by the keeper. They all go up. Umpire says not out. And confirm. I can give an exclusive here. I did nick that. <laughs> <laughs> Very much should be out. Stairs and Michael Etherton. A TMS exclusive. <laughs> and we know that Mike Atherton has nicked that ball as it goes through to the keeper behind the stumps. Absolutely furious here, Alan Donald. It's definitely hit him on the glove. Can yeah, we confirm that, Atherton? My left index finger is smarting a bit right now. <laughs> his bottom left, lip, bottom lip here is painted white with his <laughs> And we go to the box and they are absolutely... I cannot believe it. You mean? <laughs> cannot believe it. They're slapping their wrists and in runs Alan Donald again. He looks angry. He's pumped up. He goes around the wicket. It's short. Oh, and it's an inside edge and it's just squirted away down to the boundary for four. That was very, very close to hitting the legs. Very there. lucky boy. Very, very I'll take them where I can. I'll take them where I can. <laughs> Everything's winding up Donald right now. I mean, Donald Not literally kidding. looks like a fucking tomato right now. <laughs> that one white stripe on his lip. That's what makes him so terrifying. And Donald to Michael Etherton. Trent Bridge gripped. What a spectacle. Umpire unmoved. The camera angle's just gone straight into the umpire here. He looks so distraught that he's got two wrong. In comes Alan Donald. Runs up, bowls. Another short one. Michael Efton gets out the way. I can smell the leather, boys. Smell it. The batsman staring at the bowler. I, I've never seen or stared that long on a cricket pitch before. It's, it's like, it's like a, a game of wink murder out there. <laughs> who's going to blink first? <laughs> now, what's that I'm game? Yeah, that catch. Smashed him on the glove. In another. Oh, deflected to point. Michael Lipton not looking oh. comfortable out there. Oh, and Alan Donald has just there. shook his head up and down and given him a few words out there in the middle. I mean, that looked fucking nasty. I wish I could tell everyone what he was saying, but it's a kids friendly show. 
Oh, sorry. I, I'll stop. I'll stop. Jim Rob Smelling Donald. Few words. In he comes again. Balls short again. It is in again. Not comfortable at all. Not comfortable at all. I mean, for the sake of my left arm, I would not be, want to be out there in the middle right now. I mean, he's going to get a broken arm in a sec. This is body line bowling at its most. Now going to go to go to the middle. Mike Atherton going to give us some live commentary, I think. Next so I, I, I'm at this point hoping that I was back in the pavilion, to be honest, because <laughs> my left arm has got broken. <laughs> Here he comes. He's coming in. I am terrified. He digs it in again. I've gone for it. <laughs> I'm so surprised that I've gone for it. <laughs> Who would have known it was me? I'm so shocked at myself. But we've run him through. I'm off strike, am I? We're Get down, down the other end. end. No, I think Mark they've come back to two. I miscounted with my, with my own running. <laughs> Very smart cricket. Here he comes in again. Oh, I was tempted by that one. Just drop the hands. He's having some more words. Again, I'm afraid it'll all have to be bleeped out if I repeat what he says. There's not much point. You getting any chat from the slips? A little bit of words, yeah. A bit from Mark Boucher behind the stumps. He's talking to me about that ball which he caught again and again. I love it. I love seeing him angry against me. Here he comes again. This oh. is terrifying. Surely, surely. Oh, he's cut me in half. That's right, Mr. Umpire. You're my best mate. Surely they're south. Comes in. Oh. And then he comes, Alan Donald to bowl. Hey, and oh, it's oh. gone up through the stumps, and it's gone. He's edged it, and it's gone to the keeper, and the keeper's dropped it. Oh my goodness gracious me. He's taken Donald. every single catch that hasn't been given so far, and then the one easy catch, diving to his right. A very lucky boy. And he's dropped it. Primal scream from Donald. Is so angry. The big fast bowler. <laughs> you don't want to be in that dressing room. I mean, I might, I might, I might actually get, I might actually get a, 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 a sort of like a sound effect of a scream and play it in at that point. Scream! <laughs> yeah, 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 look at him. Look at him. Yeah. Oh, big nick! And he realizes it's been dropped. And, oh my! Right in, and in and out again. Just in and out. <laughs> I've never seen a man so angry in my whole entire life. Isn't <laughs> His feet are nowhere. And that is the end of our commentary there for Alan Donald's magnificent spell against uh, Mike Atherton in 1998 at Trent We're now going to play a bit of music uh, to ease you out of that incredibly tense battle. This is These Girls by Sticky Fingers.
Sticky Fingers, uh, playing the song These Girls. Um, I mean, I, I think that, that was probably some of the best uh, commentary TMS has ever offered. I mean, who knew in 1998 you could get on, on field? Uh, on field. The, te- the technology had progressed that far. <laughs> Cut, cutting edge stuff. Decades ahead of its time. Cutting edge commentary from the lads at TMS, exactly. Um, <laughs> as I said last week. What do we think about that? I mean, I've, I, from my impression, I haven't really got that much to say because I wasn't alive at the time and I don't know the players that well. But I would have been absolutely terrified facing him. I mean, it's not like he, st- like he started one, the first ball of the spell, he goes over the wicket, which is conventional for a right-arm bowler, for anyone who doesn't know. But then it's a right-hand batsman, right-arm, a right-arm bowler. But then he decides that he's just going to pummel Mike Atherton's left side. So he comes round the wicket and bowls him a bunch of sort of like short of a length deliveries into his chest. Like it's, not, it's not like head to his head. It's, it's armpit, yeah. It's yeah. arm and so chest. It's harder to get out of the way of. Um, yeah. And if one of those catches you square on the elbow, you can really break an arm. I mean, he's bowling like 90 miles an hour. Yeah, um, 90 plus. He's fired up. Really scary. And when he screams and he has that, well, I can't Yeah, it's like an animal. It's, yeah. it's so primal. It's like, it's like, UFC fighting, but taken to a much higher, more psychological level, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Is I just love the way really, that... Is cricket the most ferocious sport out there? I think it is. I think, I think like, mentally, in terms of mentally demanding, yeah, it's got to be right up there, doesn't it? Five days of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to take its toll. Yeah. I just love the way Atherton just stares back, even when Donald's chirping at him. Just, well, not even chirping. Chirping makes him sound like a little bird. And like, <laughs> screaming in his face. Atherton just stares back completely. Just taking it on the chin. Um, and when he, when he edges it... Literally taking it on the chin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big danger of that. <laughs> and when he points at his bat to say that he's edged it off the LBW and stuff, just sort of... He wants to rile him up a little. It's fantastic drama. Maguire, I mean, how would you have felt being Mike, Mike Afton out there in the middle? I think he's terrified. You, I mean, anyone would be terrified, but he can't show it. And that's what I think is fascinating and like so gripping about it. Because as soon as he shows that he's at all scared of Donald, the bowler wins and he's got it over yeah. batsman. He's got to not get out, obviously, but he also can't mentally give in to this 
in this kind of gladiatorial contest. So yeah, it's, and it's kind of, it's a short battle. It's like 10 minutes, whatever. But it's also psychologically, will probably go on for the rest of the series. If Donald gets one over Atherton there, then he's got the number on him the rest of the series and Atherton's the captain. So it's actually very important for the series as a whole, this little mini battle. I agree. I, I, the thing, I, I think the only one that I, that I can remember in my own sort of, um, I mean, there have been lots of battles like that, but the, the main one I can remember from last summer was, was Archer's spell to Steve Smith at Lord's. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was just absolutely ruthless, quick bowling. And he hits him in the arm, was it in the arm? And he gets this the massive, arm, yeah, massive oh, like, yeah. swelling up thing in Big his arm. Big egg comes and up. And then, yeah. like, you know, then he gets hit on, like, the head, like, the back of the head, and he goes down. Like, he hits the deck, and you think he's out cold. And he, I think he was concussed in the end, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, yeah. But the amazing thing about Steve Smith is he's forced to come off then. But he is, when you see, like, if you watch, um, I think it's called the Amazon. Test, what's it called? Test. Yeah. Then, Test, if you watch yeah. him, he's, when he goes into the dressing room, he was so distraught that he's been hit and, like, that he's out of it. And he's so desperate to come back on. And he comes back on and he mm. can't move his arm properly. He's probably a bit dizzy from the, the concussion. And he goes yeah. hits hard. He hits Archer back hard for a bit before he gets out, admittedly. But he does come back. And then when he does get out, he throws his stuff across the yeah, change room. Yeah, he does get out. <laughs> that is just like the mark of an incredible batsman, I think, because it's just that determination to take the fight back to the bowler and to, yeah. and to win the battle. Yeah. Because it is a battle. It's like a fight. He got knocked down in that boxing ring. And then he gets back up. Tyson Fury style and tries to put, hit some big blows back to the bowler to just hit the metaphor even further. Uh, but um, I think it's amazing. Um, I guess on that, that's probably enough we have to, all we have to say about that particular clip. But it's, it's definitely a part of a real big part of cricket, that sort of battle between the bowler and bat. Um, I guess we've done a lot of feedback um, recently and we haven't had much this week. We have had one which was quite nice. Um, from, from a chap called Bojo, or at least that's his nickname. Um, uh, and, and again, it came in the bizarre format of a letter with an audio file. Um, this time stamped with Pendant, which sounds like a lovely place to live. I, I never knew that someone could live in the center of London like that. But um, this is what um, he said. TMS lads, I just want to say that if Churchill was alive today, my idol, my hero, then I would advise that he watch you. Uh, not watch you, listen to you, uh, speaking on TMS. Um, this evening, I will be uh, announcing uh, some very minor lockdown restrictions. Um, uh, and they're probably going to disappoint quite a few people. So I would say to them, and I will say to them in my address this evening, the only way to get through the next three weeks of lockdown is three mates shit talking. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Bojo. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. You credited us with getting, getting him through quite a tough period in his life there. Yeah. yeah. We were at the forefront of that. I, I should mention that his PS, I'll, I'll read his PS now. PS, when I was out on my feet and in hospital with my nurses, TMS was what got me through that difficult period in my life. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really nice to know that, that the actual Prime Minister uh, of this, this, this country uh, listens to your podcast. I mean, I mean, it's also particularly nice to know that it might help anyone 
going through a, a bit of a, a down patch, come out of it. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we got that feedback from Bojo. Um, Very hot. Do you know I actually have been sending the podcast off to like some some people to try and get them. <laughs> I've done, I've done, I've done TMS and they haven't replied. I've done a band, a small band that I played at the start called Sports Team, and they didn't reply. And I've actually did send it off to 10 Downing Street. I actually did like a form <sighs> Downing Street. And I said, I hope Bojo's, uh, you know, getting well. I hope he's okay. And if he wants some light amusement, he might enjoy this. Obviously, I didn't get a reply until now. Obviously, until now. Um, but I'm hopefully... I feel like aggers and people should reply. Someone will, have anything else to someone will acknowledge the, uh, the sterling work that we are destroying here no <laughs> trying to do um yeah. right before we move on to the art section and the interview um we're going to play uh i forgot what was, what was it again oh a very sort of atmospheric song this is, uh, by dusty springfield i hope you enjoy Um, I met Gus about this time last year 
And very quickly, uh, he became affectionately known to me as BFG, the big friendly giant. Um, he's, a, he's a really great bloke. And, um, and I guess my, my biggest achievement uh, with Gus was the fact that it's taken me nine months to get him blind drunk. But I managed it uh, about a month ago. And he ended up passed out on one of my sofas. So that was probably, yeah, that was probably <laughs> one of the better, better experiences we've had together. Gus, hello. Hello, Eddie. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. More importantly, how are you? I'm well. I'm I'm mid. I'm on my lunch break right now. Cool. Um, and yeah, I'm really hitting the rhythm with uh, coronavirus. Excellent. Isolation. Well, I thought we'd talk a little bit first about what you do at the moment on your gap year, your very exciting gap year job. Sure. Um, and then we might move on to talking a little bit about festivals in a bit. So let's start. So what are you up to at the moment? In your own words. Sure. So um, about uh, four, three, four, three months ago uh, now, um, I started an internship at a company called Gusto. Gusto is similar to HelloFresh. It's a little bit bigger. Um, we deliver. Oh, actually, I'm giving it away now. Um, but we deliver uh, recipe boxes, like which come with sort of like if you're having salmon teriyaki, you've got two salmon fillets, you've got one spring onion you've got 50 milliliters of teriyaki sauce it's very it's broken down it's not fast food or anything but it's just easy to cook and you have zero food waste and i started this company um which you can see i'm pretty affectionate about about three months ago we as a back-end software engineer um initially i was meant to be writing kind of internal systems tooling um and now i'm writing we're currently pushing out a feature uh called customization where you can choose what protein or what pasta or whatever you have and so, yeah, I, I work as an engineer on building and enabling those projects. Brilliant. Well, for listeners that may not have understood everything that Gus just <laughs> described, all you need to know is that Gus is a bit of a computer wizard. Um, I've never seen a man He's so blasting. passionate about coding in my life. Um, and actually, blasting. Gus has even got me, and I think to an extent, his girlfriend, Margot, um, onto a bit of coding in our spare time now as well. So <laughs> he's, the man, he's the man to get you passionate about coding. Um, Brilliant. I think, I, don't, I think that's pretty much all we need to say about that. I, I, I guess I want the main part of this interview to be a bit of a, a melancholic, nostalgic uh, longing for festivals of the summer, I guess, because I went with last summer with Gus to Wilderness Festival, which was one of the most fun sort of three or four days I'd ever had, I think. And yesterday, Wilderness officially announced that they weren't going ahead this weekend. Almost feel like we should have a moment of silence. I think we should just have a moment, <laughs> 10 seconds of silence. The next 10 seconds is silence for the loss of the British Summer Festival. The last post before. The last post. I can, I'm going to put the last post in here. Three, two, one, and the rest is silence. Moving stuff, moving stuff there. A little dubious counting on your fingers there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to look down and make sure you hadn't counted one twice. I, need, I needed one of those abacuses there to properly count <laughs> 10 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, my internal body clock's so fucked that I need from lockdown. Um, what is it that makes British festivals, particularly British festivals, so special? I mean, what, in, your, in, your, in your mind? I know, I'm really pretty patriotic about this. Um, yeah. I haven't been to... I think I've been to any international festivals, but I think British festivals have a really, I don't know, maybe this, I'm going to make a claim. I think it's probably going to be wrong, but, you know, <laughs> how I go about life is sort of apologise. Um, 
I think Britain, like the first major festivals are in Britain, Glastonbury probably one of them. And I think it's a, uh, it's come indoctrinated into people's sort of like, Britain, there isn't like a warm option where you can go to like the South of France for, or like in America, you can't just go down to New Mexico and like yeah. have a, a sunny break. Like this is like, this is people's holiday. And I, I see it a lot at Wilderness, which I've been to for every year, Wilderness yeah. has existed. And like you get people who this is their, like this is their four day, five day holiday. They arrive a day early, they set their tents up. They like, and it's, I, I know, I think when people take that outlook opposed to just like a piss up on a Saturday, yeah. Um, you get this really incredible thing where people really try, people bring their outfits and there's this sort of real sense of community in the festival goer group. Um, and people become very loyal to these spaces in the yeah. same way some of us return to the Patagoni Club each year <laughs> <laughs> and drinking that's awful. But in the same way some of us return to certain holiday destinations each year, um, we some people return to festivals every year and, and they love it. Um, and I'm guilty of this. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I'm definitely on board. I think there's also something about this sort of like the stoicism of a British festival goer, which I've always found really is attractive. Rain or shine, get the wellies out, yeah. put on the put on the you know the waterproofs, and you're still there boogie at you know two a.m. in the morning underneath sort of hailstones. It doesn't matter. It's just the fact that you're there with people just really looking to have a good time. Um, you know, in, in Britain, with some good music, some good food, and some even better people normally. Yeah. Um, I think there's also such a diverse. Um festival culture in the uk which i guess there must be all around the world but yeah. there's just a really good sort of anything from a village fate up to gastonbury yeah. if you want it to be in the forest like halton to all the way down to some i don't know some open fields festival somewhere it's <laughs> <laughs> a uh, like day day festival yeah and there's, exactly yeah. yeah and there's and there's everything on the on the menu and um and I, I, maybe, okay, yeah, well, God knows how this is going to get down. <laughs> maybe because the UK is quite a diverse culture, like, you get this really good, like, carnivals, I mean, it's just like, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. but you get this, like, you get great experiences into other sort of, like, I don't know, like, Brazilian dancing carnival, yeah, whatever it is, like, which maybe you don't get in some other countries, just makes sort of the British festival so exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is me speaking about my arse, I just love British festivals. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, for me, wilderness gets some, a lot of things right. And then obviously they appeal to some of the themes of this podcast I should mention, because every Sunday, well, the, the Sunday of the festival, wilderness has, or Saturday? Saturday? Saturday and Sunday. Saturday fan and favorite. Sunday. Fan favourite. Wilderness has possibly one of the, the most village cricket greens I've ever seen that they set up. <laughs> and they have a game of cricket. On a game, a huge hill. A huge hill. It's, it's, like, a it's like a it's in valley. Yeah, it's like a valley. <laughs> and... And, and on the board of this game is runs, wickets, you know, overs, bats, from one, bats, from two, but also number of and by streakers. Far, and by far the highest count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, number, number of, of streakers. streakers. <laughs> and nearly always there are more streakers than runs, than batsmen, total, etc. When I absolutely love it. And there's a commentator that I should mention who just seems to have the most quick wit in describing people's bodily parts juggling <laughs> jiggling around as they run onto the cricket pitch. And people sit there hungover after a big night the night before soaking in the sun watching beautiful naked people celebrating their bodies and, and i should cricket. not there are a good sort of five to ten thousand people watching yeah. but people who really haven't picked up a cricket bat before yeah and occasionally get some some guy who's clearly picked rather like a lot of cricket before professors not to and then punts the ball around the park but yeah. it's just a very it's a, it's a very funny thing on, on sunday there's always a theme of superheroes versus uh, super villains <laughs> and you kind of get like a batman bowling out 
someone, I'm not that into superheroes, <laughs> it's an insight, can't name who, but someone who's a villain. Uh, but yeah, it's a very funny, it's a very funny event. Um, yeah. And yeah, I spent many afternoons watching that. Very famously, you actually missed out on this. A couple of years ago, they did the boat race on banana boats down the lakes at oh Cornbury. <laughs> it's hilarious because those are. Try having streakers in a river in a, in a lake is a very exciting and sort of complicated feat. On a, on a pitch, it's pretty simple. But trying to get people to street, um, rubber, just little rubber rings and coming out of rubber rings. Well, yeah, there was all sorts of things. There were people jumping on the boat. But it was uh, there was the year before that at Wilmers that they set the record for the world's biggest, um, the world's biggest, biggest skinny dip. I think it was like a, that, uh, a couple of thousand people in one lake, all naked. Um, of yeah, there was a. I think you had a good, also all sorts of body. Let's say. Um, well, this year, of course, we set the, we we've actually been part of a world world record now, haven't we? Yeah, it was a lot of training went into this. A lot one. of training went. Into I've this really one. spent the last five years of my life hunting down every opportunity at parties to train for this. <laughs> Gus actually is talking about. You'll understand this in a second, but Gus is talking about the fact that Gus and I were um, were part of the world's biggest spoon. <laughs> and by spoon, I don't mean the kitchen utensil. I mean the intimate act of cuddling someone with your bottom pressed firmly against their crotch area. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just a few highlights of this summer. I guess it's very sad. It might be a bit heavy. It's um, very sad. Gus, I'm now going to let you pick a song. Oh, okay. So I've been thinking about this. I'm going to go ahead with a song which I had to ask you how to pronounce the name of it beforehand because I didn't know how to pronounce the D. I might not be right either. So, don't so yeah. Um, at least if you're, <laughs> I'm taking your word for it, so you can take the blame. Um, it is a song by a band who played at Wilmers. I want to keep it in that theme. Called Caravan Pass. They played twice now, actually, um, and uh, they we actually missed them. Me and Eddie missed watching them last year because we were watching Henry. Um, the dance off. We were watching, I just realised, I might have said me and Eddie, I could have been, I, the ground is all, all yeah, over the place. Yeah, um, but we were, yeah, we were watching Henry sing, do hip hop karaoke, so we missed them. So I think it's only fitting we have them now. So this song is Moonshine by Caravan Palace. It's the Tenere remix. Tenere sounds good. Tenere sounds cool. Let's play it. Thank you very much, Gus. You know well what I've been through Living there without a view Asking why we missed our chance And now I'm looking for something to get by High and dry Everywhere In myself
because we haven't yet recorded it. Um, <laughs> uh, my film recommendation for this week is a film about probably Joe Skull's favourite musical artist and one of my favourites. It's about Bob Dylan and it's a film by Todd Haynes, um, who also directed a great film called Carol recently, which I recommend. Um, and it's called I'm Not There. And it's sort of really, it's really um, creative in the way it portrays Bob Dylan's life because it gets a different actor or actress because actually um, Kate Blanchett plays him in one of the sections um, to play Dylan at different points of his life. And it's not strictly Dylan that you're looking at in all the, in all the situations. It is, but it, it's sort of ambiguous as to you know, whether that's his name, etc. And it just follows different parts of his life and different impacts that he had on the world when, um, when he was sort of in his prime. Um, it's also got Heath Ledger in and one of his, uh, a great one of his um, sort of final, oh, no, actually not final performances, one of his sort of brilliant performances when he was still alive. And uh, Christian Bale and Ben Whishaw as well. So it, it's a stellar, stellar cast and a great film. And I'm actually just going to play a bit of Bob Dylan now, which, which I think is in the film. And this is um, Girl from the North Country uh, with Johnny Cash as well and Bob Dylan. Hope you enjoy. If you're traveling to the North Country Fair Where the winds hit heavy on the borderline Remember me to one who lives there For she once was a true love of mine See for me that her hair's hanging down It curls and falls all down her breast See for me that her hair's hanging down That's the way I remember her bed if you go when the snowflakes fall, when the rivers freeze and summer ends, please see for me if she's wearing a coat so warm to keep her from the howling. If you're traveling in the North Country Fair Where the winds hit heavy on the borderline Please say hello to the one who lives there For she was once a true love of mine Traveling 
in the North Country Fair, where the wind hit heavy on the borderline. Remember me to one who lives there. Um, so I've decided to talk about probably my shortest reading, uh, definitely so far and probably ever on on TMS. It's a poem that's um, three lines, three very short lines long. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have to save time after our feature length feature length episode last week. Um, so it, it's by Harold Pinter, um, who was a very big cricket fan. Uh, he famously said. I tend to think that cricket is the greatest thing that God created on earth, certainly greater than sex, although sex isn't too bad either. Um, and this is this little poem, very short, I think it's quite relevant to now. It's about perhaps one of the greatest opening batsmen ever, uh, who was playing for England between the late 1930s and the 1950s, Len Hutton. Um, and this is someone that Harold Pinter saw playing when he was younger. Um, and it's a very nostalgic image that he produces. Uh, and it's quite a relevance now because I think we all kind of feel nostalgic, not only for cricket, but for, for the summer and everything that brings with it um, when, as we're stuck in lockdown. So here we go. I saw Len Hutton in his prime. Another time, another time. Thank you, Harold. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Short but sweet, just like this episode. Um, <laughs> McGuire, we're going to go to you for a bit of a film. Uh, a fi- not film, sorry, an album. Music, music. Album. Uh, so my album, which I'm recommending, is called Yes Lord. Lord spelt L-A-W-D. Um, and it's a collaboration between Anderson Pack and the lo-fi hip-hop producer Knowledge. Uh, and it's one of the kind of more low-key, less well-known albums in Anderson Pack's discography, uh, released after his kind of breakthrough 2016 album Malibu, um, and it's kind of a very nice, happy, upbeat mixture of uh, a lot of West Coast influences, G-funk, uh, some neo soul. Uh, a bit of pop in there as well. Uh, and the song which I will play is called Living. Great. Let's have it. This Let's get it. I'm living, 
living Hey, you niggas thought I was rooming They say, how did you do it? Nothing but the ambition Great, Matt. Uh, thank you very much for that, Joe. Another, another splendid uh, recommendation. Um, our charity for this week is called Homeless Oxfordshire. Um, we thought it's important to sort of highlight that some people obviously are finding lockdown particularly difficult, perhaps uh, because of a situation like um, homelessness and you know, they're on the streets with no ones, with very, very limited footfall coming past to sort of assist them in any way. And the, the charities might not be functioning as well as usual because of um, lockdown. I know that in, in a normal term time, a lot of undergraduates at our college volunteer at um, Tull Street Action for the homeless, I think, uh, doing, giving them food there. Um, and obviously we can't be there at the moment. So I think it's really important to support these charities, particularly now when they are struggling perhaps more than ever to get volunteers and funding to uh, do their important work. Um, we're going to finish with a, with a sort of a, a very, uh, very sort of atmospheric song to end called Loud Places by Jamie XX. Um, and I guess that's it. Nice short episode. So uh, it's How's That from Maguire. How's that? It's How's That from Skull. How's that? And it's How's That from me. How's that? Someone